my mom passed away when i was in third grade i think it has made me extremely strong whenever some shit goes down pardon my french but whenever that happens it doesn't impact as much as it should for example right like uh, with uber i was supposed to move to mexico for picking up a role and everything was done left my house broke my lease sold my stuff next day was my flight at 4 pm and 11 o'clock in the night i get a call saying your move has been cancelled a lot of people thought it will shake me up and it did for a while the thing has made me so strong that no matter what happens i'm not broken anymore because once you're broken right once you are broken and you fixed yourself you have built that immunity once you have built that immunity i think you're okay and after that i've never had anything which has like you know literally has shook me over that has not happened again and that is one of the biggest things that i keep saying this is episode number 107 of the inspiring talk with bebov sisinti welcome back inside yet another episode of the inspiring talk my name is bizay gautam i am your host for this show each week i interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential my guest for this episode bebov sisinti is a growth hacker who became marketing manager at uber at the age of 23 He comes from a small town in Orissa called Berampur. While Bebov struggled academically, he started his first website called Discovering Android when he was in second year of his college. He had to shut that down after Google banned his AdSense account. The very next year, with other four friends at his engineering college, Bebov started a digital media agency called Crazy Heads, which became very successful. He then later moved out of this startup to join Uber, the ride-hailing company. Bebov has been featured on BuzzFeed, The Hindu Entrepreneur, among others. He is also a speaker who speaks extensively on growth hacking, growth marketing, LinkedIn marketing, and so on. But in this episode, we are not going to talk about any of those. Instead, we discuss some of the things Bebov have never shared before. Things like how was it like for him to grow up without his mom? Where did he get the hustler's mindset? How to shift perspective from short-term gain to long-term outcomes and a lot more. This episode will really inspire you to chase your dreams. Now, enjoy the conversation. Welcome back inside this episode. I'm super, super excited to have with me here, Bebov Sisinti. Bebov, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Super stoked to be here. I've been following your podcast forever now, and uh, very excited when you said, "Would you want to come in?" Very excited to be here. Absolutely, man. And uh, you know, I have been thinking of getting you on the show for the longest time, and you are now all over the internet. And uh, the first time that I, you know, I was just thinking, hey. How was it that I came across this guy? <laughs> and I remember it was uh, you know a couple of years back when you made this post on LinkedIn. Okay. No wonder. And where <laughs> you know the post said how I became manager at Uber at 23. And that's the post, you know, I think that kind of went viral yeah. uh, on LinkedIn when you when you made that post and uh, that's an oh, that sounds interesting and then I think that's how came to do about that and after that we got talking on LinkedIn and we met at event 
So basically, this conversation is going to be about something that you haven't shared before mm-hmm. and some of the things that you haven't you know, extensively shared before. And obviously, the people think that, oh, you know what, this crazy guy shows up on the Facebook and, you know, he might have been lucky, but I just want to now unveil and reveal that story with people. So, mm. uh, so let's get back to your early childhood, uh, Beva. Where did you grow up and, uh, you know, what, what was your childhood like? So I come from this uh, small town called as Barampur. It's in Orissa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's essentially the border of Andhra and Orissa, right? So, mm-hmm. And I come from a Telugu family. So I kind of speak both Oriya and Telugu. And Hindi is because mm-hmm. of Hindi movies and English is because of the schooling. But yeah, I come from the town called as Barampur, which is also called as Silk City. And uh, I did mm-hmm. my schooling till my 10th grade in the same school, which is St. Vincent's. And uh, Post that, I've been outside of Parampur. Like 12th was in Hyderabad and then in Vishakhapatnam for engineering and then all over the place for work. So what did your parents do? My dad was bank clerk. So it's a funny story because, I mean, I've been saying the same thing for uh, 24, 25, 26. I don't want to give out my age now, but uh, that is what I've been saying because my dad has a funny story. I mean, not funny. Like he's an incredible person. Uh, and the reason is that... Uh, my dad started as a bank clerk and he ended as a bank clerk. And the biggest reason for that is he didn't want to take a promotion. And the reason, mm-hmm. because when promotion happens in banks, essentially you have to travel, right? You have to go to suburbs mm-hmm. and all that. And he realized that it will impact mine and my brother's education, right? Mm-hmm. So he. So you gave, have two siblings? Yeah, yeah, I have an elder brother, much mm-hmm. nicer person than I am. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, he used to keep bringing that point back. It's because of you people. I have not taken a single mm. promotion. You better buckle up and study well. <laughs> but back in the day, I was like, why aren't you taking a promotion? Now I realize how much importance he gave us when it comes to education. Because I don't come from a stellar educated family, to be very frank, right? Mm-hmm. When I talk about my extended family, everybody has flunged in one class for sure. <laughs> Mm. right and me and my brother are the only outliers in the family who never flunked in any class at least that Mm. Uh, and I don't come from that educated IIT NIT or engineering or doctor background family we come from business family and my dad really Mm. wanted us to do well in education so that's what my dad was and my mom was a housewife Mm -hmm. my mom passed away when I was in third grade uh, towards the end of third grade that's still the third year. And eventually after a year, one and a half, two years later, my dad got remarried. But again, right, like uh, that is what I remember of my childhood. So I'm sure, right, you know, growing up without your mother definitely had some impact in you. So w- what are some of the memories that you have with your mother or the things that you, you know, cherish the most about the time that you got to spend with your mom? So, I mean, there are some clear memories that I have, right? Like I used, she used to be the love of my life. Like I used to, like, as a kid, I used to love her, like, so much. So, mein, I would just pluck a flower and I would be like, I love you. And I'm like, Mere ko sharam uske upar. like, oh, like, this is, yeah. this is, this is like a movie. And should I be even doing that? And my dad is like, hey, you can't do that with my wife. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I was very, very close, right? Very, very close. And uh, she also has obviously had, and I was my favorite of my mom. <laughs> mm. right so yeah. i have many memories but one distinct thing that i would clearly remember is i will come back from school every day and my mom will be like stop putting me through this pressure please eat the food 
please stop watching your dad will come go out and study uh, but once mm-hmm. my dad is off then i get to do everything and also when it comes to you know getting pocket money or something like that official pocket money is 2 rupees per day but i get extra 5 rupees for mm-hmm. my mom because my mom realized that 2 rupees is nothing i mean i'm talking about now a lot of kids will be like what 2 rupees what what do you get in 2 rupees but by the way in 2 rupees i used to get two idlis which was my breakfast yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah man like uh, anything i when i look at the pictures like and everybody keeps saying this that you were her favorite and she absolutely adored you and yeah i mean i remember quite a few things they are not special memories but like a everyday memory like i remember i i can still remember a everyday life with mom around right and uh, i still get dreams with her so as if everything is normal i still do yeah so i'm i'm sure you know you know after your mom passed away then it definitely had this impact on you and you know your brother do you think like you know because of that there is something that built on you maybe something that you got as a lesson as a young kid is there anything like that that you got as a lesson for yourself or something when you look back today and i'm sure as a kid maybe you know there might be some understanding but when you look back do you think there might have been something that really set you on a different path because of that i think it has made me extremely strong and there is no denying of that and i keep saying this everywhere i go as well right it has made me so strong that i mean there cannot be anything worse than that is what i feel uh, because of which whenever some shit goes down pardon my french but whenever that happens it doesn't impact as much as it should for example right like uh, with uber i was supposed to move to mexico uh, for mm. picking up a role and everything was done left my house broke my lease sold my stuff gave a party to my friends next day was my flight at 4 pm and 11 o'clock in the night i get a call saying your move has been cancelled right Ooh. and that has happened because of a reorg or whatever my flights are booked my stay for the next 6 mm. months at mexico was booked right this happened and a lot of people thought it will shake me up and it did for a while mm. but then the same night i went out with my friends uh, you know had food outside and it affected me it impacted me but my dad was really scared like because you're mentally moved there right it's massive it's, yeah absolutely it's not like a job which you lost it's like a move international one right but mm-hmm. um, just that example right like i didn't feel much and i was having a conversation with my dad and i think the thing has made me so strong that no matter what happens i'm not broken anymore because once you're broken right once you are broken mm-hmm. and you fixed yourself you have built that immunity once you have built that immunity i think you're okay and after that i've never had anything which has like you know literally has shook me over that has not happened again and that is one of the biggest things that i keep saying wow i think that was really powerful man yeah that was powerful man thank you for sharing that so how did you do in school though since you know you had your dad sitting on your head saying that hey you know what go ahead and study hard and i can relate to that a lot because my own parents right they themselves had no opportunity to go to the school and get education and my dad you know often he keeps saying this that you know what if i had the opportunity to go to the school then i would have been an engineer mm-hmm. and same goes with my mom as well she she was really good with mathematics and uh, and the stuff she used to even teach me for whatever schooling that she had mm. and and because of that they want your kid to study so hard right so how how did you do in oh i was a horrible student i'll tell you uh, when i think about my childhood right like i was not a great student but i was not a bad student you know like i was not dumb or 
I was not one of those people who didn't have the intent. I had the intent. I had no intention of becoming the topper, but I was always wanted to become a regular student, right? Like because education was mm-hmm. not my stronghold, and I was also not the other side where like, oh, don't study, I don't care. I was not that kind either, right? Uh, but uh, till mom was there, mom used to like kind of motivate me and make me sit during the exams, make me study. So. till my third grade i think i was a okay student i used to get 75% 65% 70% and for icsc 75% is actually pretty good right it's equivalent of a 85 in cbs so it was okay i was the average student right but after mom passed away i think uh, that driving force of motivation went away while my dad would like just say sit and study and that wasn't helping he tried to like help me out with studies and stuff but it never happened so again right and also when my mom passed away like i went on to a different tangent i can say that i don't know what it is i feel it's depression i was on some tangent of depression because i remember crying in the night like i'll just wake up uh, all of a sudden in the night and sit and cry in the washroom like back then i didn't understand all this what is this like i don't know i'm sitting and taking a dump and crying like wh- what the hell is that mm. right and my dad would often say that i'm walking in sleep Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> all this stuff is that impacted that massively impacted Absolutely. right uh, so that mm-hmm. actually took a toll on how i was as a personality as well all of a sudden i'd become this adamant rude i don't give a f kind of a guy uh, which nobody appreciated of course i lost most of my friends at that phase right that took a toll on my education because i was just you know like off off everything else i i was completely i don't know how to explain that right i was yeah through a feeling or through a time which nobody understood maybe today if that happens people quickly pick up that he's going through something but back in the day nobody understood right so that took a toll in my education yeah. which screwed up my education till my 10th grade to be very frank mm. but again i yeah. started showing my intent back in 8th and 9th grade 5th and 6th grade usually what happened is i got into extracurricular again into dancing mm. and all which i was into in school and robotics and all that but that kind of got me back in the tune because then my dad would put a if else statement you want to do this you have to study well then there was some mm-hmm. level of if else that came into the picture but uh, never a great student my average score would be 45% <laughs> a good yeah. unit test would be failing in only four yeah. subjects so i remember right i remember telling my dad how can you be so upset last exam i failed in six subjects this time i only failed in four you should be proud mm-hmm. of me and my dad would be like are you even listening to yourself right so was never a great student man but but the school that i was studying in was also extremely tough and uh, difficult mm. and you know like for you to freaking clear a biology paper you have to study not mm-hmm. one textbooks but three textbooks and i am not the sharpest kind that i can sit and consume three different textbooks you tell me one textbook i'll sit and study right no. uh, so it was extremely difficult so getting a, a A school average was fifty five percent. Get my uh, average mm. student is doing fifty fifty five percent. Yeah, that's clearly below average. Yeah. But yeah. So, Bevo, what was the dream you know that you grew up with when you were kid or when you were in school? That what you wanted to become? Because the reason that I ask this is because there are a lot of things that we go through in our childhood and that kind of shape our dreams early mm. on. For instance, when I was growing up, right, I saw my dad working so hard. and i remember i clearly remember and i think i have mentioned this couple of times in the podcast as well mm. that you know i clearly remember telling to my mom a couple of times as a kid that you know what mom whatever i do in my life i'm never going to work for someone else i'm going to 
do whatever I want to do, but I'm going to do it for myself. So that is something that I've always grown up with. And that used to be my dream that I want to make hell a lot of money, right? So for you, what was that dream like? And what do you think shaped that dream? Very interesting question. So I never had aspirations of money as such, but I definitely didn't want to stay a middle class guy. I'll tell you why as well. But uh, see, when I think about what I wanted to become, there were different phases where I wanted to become different things like every kid, right? First things first, I had this natural dream of becoming a cricketer. <laughs> the national dream. Yeah, the national dream of becoming a cricketer. Uh, my brother was a very good at cricket. Okay, he got trained by Iknath Solkar and all. In, I mean, Indian team player, uh, leg spinner. He's no more there. But uh, I remember he got into the Ranji Nets and my dad said, no, you can't go to Ranji Nets because I want you to focus wow. on education. And when I saw that phase of my brother, I'm like, no, I'm not. I can't forget about it. if I want to. I can't. Right. So forget about it. Let's ditch that. Right. I've seen that happening. So I kind of crushed that dream in me only. But I always loved playing cricket. Then dance came into the picture. I used to love dancing. Right. I used to perform everywhere. I used to win awards and shit. Uh, now. In my fourth grade or something, third grade or something, I got an offer from an Oriya movie. Ooh. And that was rejected blatantly as well. While my mom was trying to convince my dad, but that was blatantly rejected as well. I remember they were okay to pay 5,000 rupees, okay, for some few days of shoot. And my dad was like, no, no, I don't want you to become an actor or something. I want you to study. That will impact education. I said, no, dad, I'm going to do it together. He said, no. Mm. And I was a no. So that dream got crushed there as well. But uh, sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade, you know, uh, I got into robotics. And now when you think about robotics, I'm not talking about humanoid and stuff, but I would break my toys, yeah, yeah. build my own stuff, always around motors, wires, soldering, underwater robots, ships, you name it, we kind of have done it. Like, And we also kind of made a circle like that who are very interested in all this stuff. right? And people used to say, Right. And then I was like, oh, I really like robotics. I should become an engineer. Right. I'm one of those very few people who always wanted to become an engineer and became one. But <laughs> but I haven't, I haven't been doing anything around engineering. That's a different story. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to become a robotic engineer. Right. And I knew it was mechatronics. And I was very seven standards. I, I used to say, I'm getting into mechatronics, mechatronics, mechatronics. Right. But mm. then in eighth grade, uh, what happened is again a flip of switch where uh, I wanted a computer. I was into gaming. I loved gaming. I used to go to these gaming centers and I wanted a computer. And my dad would mm. be like, no, 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 for, for forever. And then I finally convinced mm. him to get a computer. He said, you have a budget of 15,000. Now, okay. when you have a budget of 15,000 and you're thinking about a monitor, keyboard, mouse, CPU, all that, laptops, forget about laptops that didn't even exist, right? Yeah. Or uh, out of sleep. So now I'm looking at Grand Theft Auto Vice City and it needs a Pentium 4 with a 512 MB RAM. Uh, my requirements and it needs a 150 GB yeah. hard disk minimum. I need Intex speakers. Based on my requirement, I realized it is going up to 20,000. So what I eventually did was I would scrape and buy parts. I would go to like 20 shops asking how much is the cost of 512 MB RAM. I'll pick up everything and make a note of it saying, okay, this store has the cheapest RAM. Right. Versus this mm. rakha tha. And uske baad bhi, it was not coming up to the budget. And my dad was very, very strict. Not a penny mm. more than 15,000. Mm -hmm. And CPU casket was costing 2,000, whatever. And then I, I remember this funny story. Okay, dude. I said, dad, I finally found something. It's costing like 1,500 rupees more. Can we please go ahead and do this? 
He said, no. But you know what? Budget is happening tomorrow. So maybe mm-hmm. computers might become cheaper. And if it does, it will fit your budget. I am in school. Some seventh, yes. eight-year-old kid waiting to get out of school so that I know if budget has impacted. I am naive to even know that if today's budget comes, then cross will not be able to Right after school, I visit every store. Today's budget comes, something has happened, something has happened. And there was one store who was like, yeah, yeah, it's very low. He gave me a quote of the whole thing for 8,000 rupees. Hmm. He was just having fun with me. Yeah. My dad called. He was like, your son has been irritating me. Coming every day asking me for the price of a product, which he never buys. So I just gave him something so it doesn't come back to me. Hmm. Uh, and eventually what I realized is, boss, I can't buy a computer. Ko. So I work on this. Because assembly is also 2000. So I hmm. screw that. I will buy all the parts. I'll hmm. go to internet cafe, learn how to fix a computer together. And then I will mm. fix my computer together. So, so internet cafe was 15 rupees an hour, right? Mm. So I mm. made that math. Maybe it will take me 10 hours. So 150 rupees more and I can fix my own computer. So I don't have to spend 2000 rupees to fix that computer. Wow. I buy all those parts, go to internet cafe, understand one piece, write it down, come set it up, come set it up. Come. Took me like 15 days-ish, but I finally had a working machine without a CPU. And my dad is like, what is this? Mm. This something will happen. To yeah. Eventually spend some extra money to buy a case for the whole thing. And that, that is how my computer came together. So while I was doing all this, I realized, hey, wait, it was not just robotics. I'm interested in computers as well. And that's mm. when I thought, mm, computer science and mechatronics will do something else. Yeah, I think that's very interesting wherever you shared that. And I think it's been a while since you have probably reflected on that incident for yourself as well. But do you think because of that, you know, some sort of seed was planted for you to think of an alternative way? And, you know, it so is in line with what you do today in growth hacking and growth marketing, where you are trying to hack and figure, think out of the box and figure out the shit, right? Now, do you think like, you know, your dad being stringent or maybe not giving you that extra box to buy that computer and, you know, hold that incident. Do you think it's that some way has kind of built that confidence in you that, oh, you know what, I can figure things out even if I don't have the resources? I think I kind of agree. It's not just this incident, but multiple incidents that have happened. See, the thing is, when you want something, I was one of those people, when I want something, I want it. I mean it, right? And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to figure out how I could get it. Right. And that's what I've been doing all throughout my life. Right. And that's what happened in this case. I wanted a computer. I got it done. Right. Somehow I wanted an Android phone. I made the money to buy that Android phone. I wanted to build a website. I didn't have a laptop. No problem. I'll figure out a friend who has a laptop and I'll work on it when he's sleeping. Right. I want to get to a growth, but no budgets. I'll growth hack my way. You know, it's the same mindset that has made me a good, decent marketer that I'm today or a growth hacker that I'm today. I feel absolutely. So where do you think like this whole thing about, you know what, I want to get this thing. Like, you know, where does that, that thing about, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm strong. I'm like, adamant. Is, is there anything I'm like, adamant. That's it. Can you like recall any incident? Maybe, you know, go back and look at your life and say that, oh, I think, you know what, maybe, you know, that kind of gave me the confidence that, you know what, I can get anything. Because what I can sense from this is when you get few things, when you know that you are not going to get it, that kind of builds to your mindset. And it, it it's kind of rewiring of your head that, you simply don't want to give up that because you know that you are going to figure out a way to get this. See, I'll tell you, everything I have ever asked, I was always been given a no to. 
you won't even mm. believe okay i remember these days when i liked hide and seek biscuits dude 10 rupee biscuit packet i was told no to that right not because we couldn't afford it just i mean we were not poor right we can definitely afford a 10 rupee hide and seek packet but my dad was in the mindset that if i give everything that he wants to he'll get spoiled it could be as simple as a hide and seek biscuit packet to as simple as buying socks for my school right like just use the rubber bands and make it work i'm not going to buy it because i bought it last year right all these instances because of continuous listening of nos for most of the things that i want i kind of got this got into this zone that hey no matter what i want i'm not going to get it anyway so i have to make it work i have to figure out ways on how i can get it right and mm. this has been the case I, i never thought about it like that now that you ask i can like kind of reconnect dots yeah but yeah this has been the case all throughout my childhood right my dad kind of opened up he kind of opened up in my engineering to be very frank he was no more this strict father he kind of opened up he let yeah. me do things in my engineering maybe some influence of my brother saying you got to be lenient now he's done right he's off to a decent mm. college he can figure it out from now on. but yeah before that it yeah. was a continuous no for every freaking thing that i asked absolutely and i can relate to uh, i won't say like that was the similar case with me as well but i can definitely <laughs> relate to that using the rubber band for the socks because that's that's what i have done my entire childhood as well and it used to be a real scenario when i used to get that fresh smell of a new books because every single time there used to be like one super 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 senior guy who would buy the book and that would pass on to oh, his bro. brothers and same story to me same and story and to my sister and you know and and then if there is some syllabus change and if there is new book or if there is new edition of the books coming and that's when you get the new book otherwise using the guess what i mean I... most of my textbooks were coming from the second hand market my dad was like tu to padhta nahi hai books khareed ke paise waste kyun kar raha second hand market se khareedenge in fact you won't believe okay like uh, whenever mm. i had to buy a notebook also like though like that mm. never happened to an extent my dad would be like there are so many but bring all your last class notebooks there'll always be yeah. 20 25 30 pages left usko fado wo binding machine ko jao usko bind karke uska notebook banao we did that too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen it doesn't happen anymore yeah. right it doesn't yeah. happen anymore yeah. yeah cool so um so basically do you consider yourself a smart kid with some sort of gift or and obviously you have already answered this in you know bits and pieces but do you consider yourself a smart kid with some sort of gift or someone who had to figure shit out because you needed to because there was no I mean that's what we've been speaking so far right like uh, always always figuring shit out right that's 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 been my life so far i i won't say just childhood so far nothing has changed yeah Awesome. So now uh, let's you know jump few years later into you going and starting your first business mm. is Discovery Android. What is that, and how did that whole idea of starting Discovery Android came about? Okay. So uh, it's also a very funny story. Do you want to know the backstory of Discovery Android, which I've never spoken about actually? Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'll tell you how Android came into my life. Okay. Obviously. Mm. like android phones back in the day were very new right uh, a decent android phone was costing 15 20000 rupees which is not small money back in that it's extremely hmm. expensive 15000 rupees is not a joke yep yeah i yep. mean this is i'm talking about 2011 first year of my engineering and i had a android yep. phone which was 15000 rupees 
considering I've been telling you that my dad has not been buying anything, guess what? I have bought that Android phone on my money. And how did that happen? So when I was in 12th, okay, I've not shared this before. When I was in 12th, hmm. again, I was on the hunt of making money because I was just not okay asking my dad for pocket money, right? Every time I ask something, I will get like 5,550 questions saying why, which I hated. So I was on a hunt. I was in Hyderabad. And there is an area called as Dilshuk Nagar. Dilshuk Nagar had these coaching centers where I had seen a flyer on a bus saying, want to make money from home? Call this number. Right? When I called that number, the guy said, come to Dilshuk Nagar. I went there mm. and uh, I found the store. I went up to him. It was basically a TPC model where you have to sit, watch ad, click on the ad. And you make some money. It was a scam. Essentially, it was a scam. But I was in their office, okay, trying to understand how to learn. They said you have to pay some 3000 rupees to get into the program and nonsense. I didn't have the money anyways. So I was like, okay, I was just listening. And where like there's this trainer who's flipping saying, who is going to teach them now? What is going to happen? So essentially, there was this scenario where there were like 20, 25 aunties, okay, who were there to learn how to use computer and the trainer didn't show up. Okay. So yeah. I was like, wait, I want to make money. And they were like, who is going to teach them now? And all that. I was like, I know how to teach. I can teach them to use computers. Right. And all that. And they said, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I can give a demo class. And the aunties were getting furious already. It's like, what is this? We are here. We paid you money. Where is the teacher? We have to go home. Our kids will come. All that nonsense. Right. Not nonsense. That's what aunties do. Thank you to all the aunties and all the moms. Uh, but uh, you get my point. Right. So I was like, okay. Can I give it a try? And I was a decent teacher because I taught my father how to use computer. So I was a decent teacher. And he said, okay, this is good. Do you want to do it more often? He's like, how much would you pay? 2,500 rupees per month. Are you kidding me? That's insane. I mean, <laughs> obviously he was making 2.5 lakhs, but he was paying me 2,500 yeah. rupees a month. I was like, sure. And the aunties loved me because I was literally telling them what they mm. should be listening because I was teaching them like my dad. And that's how I started to make money. I taught for two, three months, made about five, six grand. And then, but the phone was 15,000, right? I've done every shit in the world, right? Like I did, I mean, there was a phase of my life where I did betting on cricket matches. That was for two months <laughs> yeah. where I bet, mm. where I won, I lost, eventually got to a stage where I said, this is it. And I never touched it. And everybody who's listening to this, don't do it. Period. It's mm. like drugs. Don't do it. But yeah, I, I mean, I was conscious enough not to like be an idiot and spend money left, right and center. But that's how I made my first 15 grand, which eventually bought me my Galaxy Ace, uh, which was my first Android mm -hmm. phone. And when once I got the Android phone, I wanted paid apps. Like you said, how do I get to paid apps? I have to pay for it. I didn't have the money to pay for the apps. So I had to figure out ways on how to get the paid apps for free. I witnessed the world of black hat hacking Android and all that. I was like, ooh, this is interesting. So I would, uh, mm. I would sit on the night after my friend will sleep. I would use his laptop to do the research, sit and, you know, on my phone, eventually in my labs, I'll do all that. And then I thought, oh, this is some shitload of information, which could be baked into a single place. And that's what discovering Android was. Obviously, I didn't know how to make a website. Then I had to figure out how to make a website, built a website, mm. pushed it out, learned SEO. In like three, four months, we scaled that to, I mean, we were clocking a million views, man, on that website. We made six, seven thousand dollars in uh, only AdSense income, and then Google slapped us with a ban. <laughs> so, isn't it interesting? You know, when you are in this desperation to make money, that you go out and explore a lot of things. And you know, when you are sharing the story, I can remember when I was in my college, 
I went onto some website and they said, you know what? All you have to do is just fill surveys and then, you know, you can make money, but you have to, you know, pay us 200. I've done that shit. And then I went to the bank. I first time able, I made that, you know, wrote that 200 rupees deposit slip, submitted the amount to their bank. And then I came back home and I read the terms and condition and it says that you need to get five people before we can pay you anything. You need to get five more people into it. And I'm like, and then that was the moment I realized, you know what? I'm never going to get into that. And again, another kind of a job or kind of a stuff that where I was desperately trying to make money was to try and fill the survey forms. You know, they would give you scanned documents and they want you to put it in the software. And these are such a tricky job. So by the way, anyone who is listening and getting into all these kind of things like typing or filling the survey or filling the form, please don't get into that. They are, and pretty much what they did was they made me do all the work by saying that, you know what, you just fill this form and the more forms that you are able to fill, the more you are going to make. But there is a condition. The condition is that if you make this many mistakes, then, you know, the price will come down. At the end of it, it so happened that they got their work done and also they got to the point where they paid me nothing for the entire month of work, uh, you know, that that I put on that, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I have been there. I can relate to all of that. But again, you know, what that definitely did was taught, you mm. know, uh, one thing later than, you know, you, you got a lot of the ideas and you basically are willing to go out, fail and see the world, yeah. right? So, great. and then Google, you know, uh, shut your business. Yeah. And then two years later in 2013, you started Crazy Heads. This is uh, while you were in engineering college. What a year later, about? not two years later, a year later. The thought was simple, man. I mm. mean, this is a known story. People used to like, they knew how, how I, I could make websites because I had made Discovering Android. And the people would ask me to build their websites for some like 4,000, 5,000, whatever, right? And there was insane amount of money for me in the college. So I would do it for them, my friends, families, and all those business. I did like three, four websites like that. And I realized, wait, there is something here. Probably I can build something on top of it, right? And uh, we started Crazy Heads. Initially, it was Incubus which we changed the name to Crazy Heads which, because Incubus was like a crazy name. I don't know how we came up with that as well. But uh, when Crazy Heads started, initially we thought it's going to be more of a training company because I was into doing workshops in college already, right? So after we did a couple of workshops, we realized like, hey, this is not what we want to do. We want to do something more. And that's how Crazy Heads started. Mm. But we broke our leg with everything. Cold calling, mm. uh, cold emailing, scraping, going to door to door, did every freaking thing that is out there to make business. It was absolute struggle for one and a half years. But the beauty was I learned a bunch of things during that struggle. I learned a lot of things because uh, I would do a bunch of work for free because I needed portfolio to be built. Right. And eventually we got to a stage where people got to know about our work. They realized that we are very good at the work that we deliver while we are not very expensive. Thanks that we are a college student. And eventually got to that stage where we worked with almost 100 clients by end of my fourth year, probably clocked our first CR in revenue when we were still in college and all that good stuff happened eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And for somebody who is in the college clocking one CR in revenue, so what is the amount that you were making when you decided to shut this down and join Uber and take a job? The last month was the best month ever before I left. And uh, it was... So you guys shut them down or you just took an exit uh, and then your partner continued doing that or you, you completely closed that business? There was a story behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was above 10 lakhs in that month. Mm. I mean, way above 10 mm. lakhs. I don't want to give it like a number. 
but mm. heavily profitable. It was one client which paid us about fifteen thousand dollars in that month. It was insane, biggest client mm. ever. Right, fourth year college student from Brazil. That to that client, um, and after that, I realized I'm not having fun. Yes, I'm making good money, but I'm not having fun. Right, and that's when I realized that it's time for me to jump off the boat. And I made that switch. I tried to make it work with other people in the company. It didn't work out. And seven eight months later, we I mean we shut down everything. Right, the website is still live, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a few of the businesses got acquired. A few of the businesses raised funding that we worked with right now. But everything uh, like we shut it down because it was. I realized the business was too dependent on me. and without me it was not running i was the face so i exactly want to know mm. what was going on your head when you took this decision saying that you know what i'm going to shut this running business where i know that i can scale and grow and we you know i had the best month ever and to say that i'm just going to shut this down and go and take a job at an uber what what was going on ahead at that point of time i think uh, the right thing to say is i was bored The reason why I say it is bold is because it had become very predictable. Man, I wasn't learning anything new, and I was in this stance like, "Boss, I'm 21 years old. Paise to me kal bhi bana lunga. If I made money today, I'll possibly make more money tomorrow." And I had enough money. I cleared my education loan. To be very frank, I had 25 lakhs in my bank account lying, and I was like, "Screw that! Like, whatever, man. Like, I'm done. I. It's time for me to learn." And the beauty is, my company was still running when I made the switch, right? and uh, i thought i'll go to that work if i don't like it i can always come back and that was the intention mm. in fact funny story i told my team that i'm going and the next day two days later i came back to the office again and people were like uh webhub did you already give up i said like, yeah, yeah yeah i didn't like it i came back I like yeah, yeah we knew that you're going to come back what actually happened was since i had my base at visakhapatnam uber wanted me to go help visakhapatnam first as a result i could come mm. back to my own city again and i would yeah. spend some time with the office folks but uber kept me busy man i wanted to go all in with uber so i never really tried even tried to like do anything more bhav this is a question a lot of people do have on their mind and i want to ask you this question do you need money to start a business depends on the business that's actually is the answer sadly that's actually is the answer But do you need money to start a business? Hey, if you are someone who can raise money, then you don't need money to raise, start the business, right? A MVP is not going to cost you anything. A lot of people think business is a fully blown product. Yes, that's what business is for you to get started. That is not what you have to build. All you need is validation, right? So building an MVP doesn't need money, no matter what it is, right? I mean, I'm not talking about manufacturing for that matter. Manufacturing may MVP, shy, it will cost you a couple of lakhs. But I'm talking about the internet business, right? Do you want to build a Swiggy? And when Swiggy didn't exist, you didn't have to build the app. All you had to do is create a WhatsApp group, ask your friends to send an order when they want, and have some delivery guys to order that order. And that's exactly how Danzo started. And that's what an MVP yeah. is for a lot of people. An MVP is a freaking type form, right? Yeah. Do you need money for that? No, it needs your effort and time. And time is money. Mm. So. that's what i usually say irrespective of what it is and then if you're able to prove your mvp i mean today investors put money in you right if not investors yeah. you can raise money from your family and friends and you're able to do that yeah. today right so yeah i mean that's basically is the answer man yeah man and after even you know when you joined uber you have done extremely well there is a manager at marketing manager at uber and then now you know all the incredible work that you're doing as a growth hacker 
Now, when you look back at your you know, own journey that you have had, especially during the college and a lot, if there are some kids from the college who are listening to this podcast saying that, hey, maybe we can learn something from Bebab, then what would be you know, some of those advices that you want to give to these kids who are still in the college and looking for advice on, hey, what should I do on top of my regular college work? I would say it's very simple. Learn. Because college doesn't teach you shit. I'm sorry to say that, but it doesn't. College only brings in the community angle. You can make friends for life, which is amazing. That's why everybody should go to college. But if somebody says, I'm going to college to learn and become something, that is not true, my friend. Unless you're in some top schools. And I don't think even that is true for that case. Right? So always learn. Understand what is that that you're very interested in and start working towards that. Right? And that could be in form of a small startup. Again, I kind of recommend people staying away from startup when you're in college right now. I've come to that stage because I personally feel if I'm given one more chance, I probably wouldn't start up. If I had the chance, at least if I could intern because I feel I would have learned so much more before I got into a job. I would have been two years ahead of the curve, right? And that's what an internship can do today. A good internship in a good startup, like a small startup can do. Listen, if you go and work in a Google, you're not going to learn shit, right? Not much. I don't think you'll learn a lot. But if you go and work in a small company like Wine Studios, like one I'm building, you get to do everything. And that's the real learning. That's the real learning right there, right? Uh, That is important. All I would say is keep learning. Like, I'm not asking you to not watch Netflix as a college student. I'm not asking you not to watch some Korean drama. I'm not asking you to go out on dates with your girlfriend. I'm not saying all that. Take that extra three, four hours every day to learn something new in any form or other and explore options because you never know what you will eventually like. Keep It's okay to fail. Mm. It's okay to try 25 other things. Try all those 25 things, but at least try to drill down to that one or two topics that you essentially want to do because a lot of times what is happening today, I've been lucky that I knew what I wanted to do right after college, but most of the people are not. And in India, most of the people are doing jobs that they don't want to do. Because they can't switch anymore. They are not ready to reset. And we are not coming Mm. from that mindset of reset. Right? Outside in the European countries, if they don't like it, they leave and they're okay to start fresh. But in India, we are not. Because we're like, oh, I'm making 50k now. If I refresh, I'll only make 30k now. Do I want to go through all of that? Would you want to live rest of the life doing something that you don't like? Instead of like spending one year extra and resetting your life? Again, that's the mindset that we go with and that's how the society has been built into. So instead of saying, make a reset, it's a much harder thing to do. Figure out your shit in college because you have the time to. Absolutely. Awesome. That was a great tip. So, you know, one of the things that I have really admired about you and obviously, you know, in the the past one and a half years that I have known you and on several interactions that you have had over the call and when we met and so on and so forth. So one of the things that I always sense when we have that conversation and I personally kind of thought, you know what, I should also pick a lot and I have to learn a lot from Bebab is this long-term thinking versus, you know, thinking about the short-term gains, right? And especially when you are early in your career, right? And it's so uncommon to see somebody thinking of five years or 10 years ahead of where they are right now, right? Where does this mindset come from? When you have the decision to make, I want to understand and try and decode. If you haven't thought about it, do take your time and try and decode. When you have, you know, options in front of you where one is like a, you know, short-term gain 
and another is a long term and you are not very sure whether you are going to get you know if you can even trust and go into play the long term game right because you are not sure about the long term result and with the short term you always know the result that's in front of you now how do you go and think about it and make the decision dude i think a lot of people complicate this it's simple mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. you need it right now is the question that i ask myself simple i'll tell you one of the examples right when i was leaving uber and i wanted to take the next switch i got an offer from a food tech company which is massive billion dollar company multi billion dollar company at singapore and who doesn't want to move to singapore right they were sponsoring my visa while i got offer from uber also internally to stay back and pick up one more role while i got an offer from kluk which nobody knew in the country the easiest option to pick was obviously i didn't want to work for uber anymore it was done i spent 5 years i'm done with uber and i don't want to go so the obvious when everybody thought i was moving to singapore like who gets a job role at singapore it's not even funny it's not even easy anymore to move there right and uh, i chose kluk the reason was simple right long term thinking if i go to a company like uh, i don't want to name it the food tech company you can kind of guess it as well now when i say singapore but uh, when you go to a food tech company you are one of other people you're making a good pay much better pay you're living a much better life right now but if i join a kluk who is trying to establish themselves in india i become part of their journey i'm not some small part i drive it what will that eat to long term gains because the kind of learnings that i will have there will help me replicate that across other brands other companies in my own business and that's where i took that switch lower pay india and moving to bombay which i never wanted to do in my life i hated bombay i still do right <laughs> but you get the point yeah. will that extra 10 15 lakhs per year change my life it won't will me moving to singapore today change my life i don't know but will i be able to move to singapore later if i can move now definitely later mm. the answer is very clear what do i want to do and that's how i do everything what do i want right now is what i am chasing what i want right now is to learn what i want to right now do right now is build a community what i want to do right now is build a personal brand money will come later it has to come it will go nowhere it's yours in fact it will come in a compounded effect right now you'll get a principal then you'll get the compound of the principal compound is always higher than principal so work towards the compound wow that is such a such a powerful insight there thank you for sharing that now the next thing that i want to ask you is what i also know that you hate reading books <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, that is not right i don't hate reading books but i am not engaged with a book so i struggle i have used the same word that you used on your linkedin said so that i i don't like reading book okay so you know it's not that you don't want to it's yeah and it's totally fine that it's just that we have different learning styles right so now how do you learn what is your way of learning and i've been telling myself that you know what i should be reading more books and then i've kind of made my peace with not being able to read as many books as i would like to by telling to myself that oh, you know what the way i learn is through conversations and asking people questions and having conversations that's one and the second thing that i think is a bit of a superpower that i kind of feel that i have you know when it comes to learning it's just by seeing other things do and i just want to figure things out and i'm not one of those people who will follow what other people teach but i'm one of those people who will follow what they are doing so and also that's by observation is something you know that i kind of have a knack of you know what might be working and i just try and understand that and try 
learn that. So how do you learn? How do you learn things? Yeah, I think uh, definitely not books. And just because I don't like reading or I cannot absorb as I read, I don't even prefer reading blogs much. And this has been since my childhood. Even when I used to read the textbook, right? I can't consume a lot of information because of which I used to make hand notes of everything that I read. So that's easier for me to grasp. But when it comes to learning things, I think one has been a lot of content out there on videos and stuff, right? That is obviously, that is so obvious. That is one. But two is the majority of their learning actually comes with execution. Doing things. Yeah. Doing things. It's very much focused on what I do. It might not be the yeah. applicable for what you do or what others uh, people listening to this do. But a lot of times you can learn how to run a Facebook ad, for example. That you mm. anybody can learn. But the real learnings is in while you do it, the kind of hiccups that you face, the kind of issues that you face, how do you make the ad work better, all that. It's not possible. The content is not there because it's your problem. And you would only figure out a solution once you go deep down and execute it. So I think the biggest teacher in my life has been execution. Learn from mm. the internet and execute it. And the biggest learnings has come from execution because the moment you're facing a problem, right? Again, you start to learn, try to figure out how to do it. With that, you stumble upon more things and more to more, more to more, more to more. And as long as you're curious, you'll be able to learn a shitload of things. And that's been my way of learning, essentially. Awesome. Super, man. We have come to an end of this interview. Now, there's this round which I call is enlightening round where I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. So you're going to have to give some short answers to the question that I'm going to ask. Are you ready for this? Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be. So what inspires you to do everything that you do? To be better than what I was yesterday. Which one daily habit of yours you think has been game changer for you in your journey? Nothing. <laughs> really, I can't even think of one habit that, I mean, I should change every freaking habit of mine. I should organize mm. my time better. I should get my thoughts better. I should wake up early. Maybe, I okay, let, me, let me maybe rephrase this for you. So which one mindset or thought do you believe has been, you know, game changer for you in your journey? That is easy. Curiosity. I always mm. want to know how things work. I always want to know, even if a brand does a phenomenal job, even if somebody has figured out a way to do it, I want to know how they did it. Doesn't matter if I need it right now or not. Curiosity. Mm. Best piece of advice that you have received in your life? I can tell you the worst piece of advice very easily. Yeah, you can do that as well. Yeah, That your education defines who you are. Without education, you're nothing. Best piece of advice that I've received. Cool. We'll proceed further then. What is the one wrong belief you have held for the longest time in your life about yourself? That I can't make it big with who I am. Like, I have to change myself to become big. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, again, right, kind of drills down back to the education where if you're not a good student, you can't do well. If you're not the topper of the class, you can't do well. Right. I've been told this way too often as a kid. Right. And trying to get over it is very difficult because you're always thinking about weight. I was told I can't do it. So can I do it is the big question that comes into the picture. Right. So, yeah, that. Awesome. If you were to start this journey all over again, what are those three things that you think you would have done differently? One is that, I mean, the realization of education not driving my life. Right. Getting to know that in my head was very important and I couldn't. 
Two is that I'd probably try to figure out internships if I can, instead of starting something up by myself. Three is that I should have spent more time with my friends than I did back in college. Like find a balance. I overdid things. I overdid yeah. Awesome. So I have one last question that I want to ask to you. But before that, I'd like to thank you for sharing your ideas and insights. And I'm sure for a lot of people who know you, I'm sure there are a lot of things that they might have never heard before. And uh, it was great learning you and your story. And I was, you know, having this conversation with you often, almost like, you know, we do have this conversation, you know, every few weeks. So even after that, you know, there were so yeah. many things that I myself was not aware of. So thank you for sharing that. Now, I have one last question that I want to ask you. But before that, if people would like to reach out to you, maybe get in touch with you and maybe just you know, ask you a few questions, what is the best possible way to reach out to you? I mean, I would have told LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is too crowded right now. So reach out to me on Instagram. That's probably the best place to reach out to me right now. Awesome. Definitely check him out on Instagram and do take a screenshot wherever you are listening to this episode from. Take a screenshot, tag Bebop, tag me, and we'd love to know what is it that stood out for you guys on this episode. So Bebop, here's the last question for you. Imagine that you're standing on a stadium and this is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions and millions of people on that stadium. And you have been given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life, what would be your message? Don't stop learning. No matter who you are, no matter which phase of the life you are in, no matter how good you're doing right now with your life, don't stop learning. Because the moment you do, you die. That's what happens. Today, the moment you stop learning, you die. So always be learning, keep the hustle on and don't grow beyond who you are is what I'm saying. Like, you know, like that's essentially is my advice to literally everybody and also to myself. And if I could add one more thing is start doing execution is the most underrated superpower. And this is something that I kind of try to spread because everything is possible. Everything is doable. Only thing that is stopping you from doing it is by taking that step of execution. Right. That is what differentiates you to the most number of people who are successful today. And I'm also trying to become a successful guy. Right. And that is the mantra that I've been feeding into my head. If I get an idea, freaking execute. It's okay to fail, but execute. Thank you, Weber. It was a great conversation. And, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, or wherever you get your podcast from. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration. You can take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your Instagram story. When you do that, don't forget to tag Bevov at the red Bevov Sisinti and me at the red Bizay Speaks. You can access the show notes of this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 107, 107. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring. <laughs>